2: this roast beef welcome back to the gentleman's guide to midnight cinema i am large william uh, our dear friend sammy is still tied up he's in the bermuda triangle doing some deep sea diving you know he's always off on adventures hopefully he'll be back here soon but in the meantime we've got a very esteemed colleague of ours a dear friend the bean town i almost said bean cake <laughs> <The> <laughs> <laughs> beef cake Matt, Matt, welcome back to the show, man. Good to be here, Will. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure, man. It's a pleasure. And I said this to you off the air, and I said it in um, an early hiccup that didn't pick up the recording. It's always a pleasure to have you on just because it it feels like um, in terms of our sensibilities with a lot of things, you know, musically and film and a lot of things, you know, we tend to run parallel so it's nice uh, to get you on and and actually talk about something kind of in long form so this will be cool um so yeah we're launching and we're having matt on as uh part of no murder march so what that is if you're unfamiliar is something we decided to do where instead of all the the carnage and and violence and macho cinema we always do we're gonna try to have no murder this month on the show so Uh, We've given up murder for March. So uh, first up this week is was my choosing. And we're going to be covering Shinobu Yaguchi's 2004 Delight Swing Girls. So that should be very cool. Um, Matt, what have you been up to and uh, what have you been watching lately that's kind of uh, tickled your fancy?
0: Yeah, so um, not a whole lot um, as of late for one reason or another. Um, uh, so this first film is, um, one that came onto my radar via, um, uh, one of the Vinegar Syndrome box sets, Homegrown Horrors. Um, excellent box set. I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on the third film that's available in that, but I know, um, uh, Winter Beast, if you, if you've seen that one or heard of it, um, yeah, stop motion, um, Uh, film from massachusetts um along with i I think it's beyond death's door that might be the other one um but the the one i watched for this uh this particular uh watch was um 1990s fatal exam um this is a regional horror film by way of i i want to say it's missouri um
2: midwest regional horror. yeah
0: midwest regional horror uh gets no better um, uh, in this case, it, it it really could have gotten better though. Um, uh, this was a uh, 112 minutes of of um, of tedium, unfortunately. I think there were there were some interesting ideas in this one, um, but ultimately it just kind of fell flat. And you know, we had some friends over um, for dinner and and queued this one up afterwards. Um, and those folks are usually game for films like this and we still had fun with it i mean you can this is a film that you can throw on with people and and just kind of riff on it um however just you know make sure those those people know that you're getting into a a near two-hour film of um people awkwardly staring into space and um you know just awkward one-liners and and bad 80s fashion so fatal exam um you know not a world beater Um, By any means, but also, you know, not the not the worst thing I've seen, but just kind of kind of dull, kind of mid, as the
2: kids say, as they say, and also as the professors would say, no A for you, fatal exam. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) C plus
0: if you incorporate my feedback at best. That's right. Yeah,
2: that's better than I think they could hope for a two hour almost runtime for clumsy slasher. It's like. Yeah. Didn't get the memo.
0: No, no, it, it it was really close to clicking. Um, but by the time that it it starts to work, the movie is is just about over. Um,
2: at that point. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, um, uh, the other one that I wanted to mention is, um, uh, certainly a much better film than Fatal Exam, uh, by any measure, uh, and that's 1980s Out of the Blue. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So out of the blue if if folks have not seen it um is a, an interesting coming of age drama starring Linda Manns and Dennis Hopper and I believe you guys
2: covered this one did you not? Correct. That's that was many moons ago. Um it was a lot harder to find at the time. I mean, well, it was harder. I mean, a lot harder, but it wasn't it didn't get a a proper release and um did you say severin put this out i think yeah yeah so i, I picked
0: this one up um from severin and the, the the treatment that's it's been given is is fantastic a lot of extras the film looks great um for those who haven't seen it it does it does pack quite a wallop <laughs> oh, yeah. um in a lot of different ways um but i would i would certainly encourage folks seek this one out it's excellent
2: it is uh, it's absolutely excellent like if i was going to see it for the first time now it would it would easily be on a top 30 first time watch list yes it's, yeah. uh, it's a would, tremendous I, film
0: yeah i would say so it'll it'll definitely be on my top 30 first time watches of the year no
2: Matt. let me sort of ask you something i'm sure mm-hmm. you know the answer it, it's a, not even an ask you but more of a statement that i'm sure you'll agree with what a shame Linda Manns wasn't bigger. Like she's, she yeah. did really interesting work early on and then she was kind of off the radar for a number of years. And I know um, Harmony Corinne used her in Gummo and it was a really mm-hmm. good turn. But uh, yeah, it's just a shame. You know, she, she didn't work more. I always liked her.
0: Yeah. She, she's so good too. I mean, she just, she just brings this, this authenticity to, everything every role she's done um and yeah it is it is a shame that she didn't do more
2: you know what i always wanted to see that she was in i think it's just a supporting role mm-hmm. she's uncredited in it but uh it's king of the gypsies have you ever seen that no i'm not familiar with that one so i read about this years ago and it just i forgot to to chase it down it's uh, pretty interesting kind of a Eric Roberts is assuming the throne as the king of the gypsies in New York City. Oh Starting wow! Kate, Shelley Winters, Susan Sarandon, Judd Hirsch, Eric Roberts, Brooke Shields, Annette O'Toole, Annie Potts—quite a cast. Um, and Linda Vans, of course. So, yeah, I've always been uh, curious to see this. I think Olive put it out on Blu-ray some time ago. So, I gotta track this one down.
0: No, oh, likewise.
2: Yeah, man. This looks interesting.
0: But yeah, that, that is it
2: for me, just the two. Okay, cool. So I've got uh, a little more in my bag. Um, oh, did a rewatch of Menace to Society. It had been probably about 30 years. So, nice. Yeah. Um, not to boil it down to just the two films, but watching it now, I mean, I can't help but think of Boys in the Hood. Uh, mm mm-hmm. You know, at the time you saw a lot of films, there was, you know, a lot of voices being put out and unfortunately a lot of cash ins after that. But um, it's 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 a good film. Certainly, Uh, I always prefer boys. I think it's it's a little more lyrical, uh, Singletary Singleton, I should say. Um, I think it felt like he had a little more of a steady hand as a director at this point, but I can't take too much away from the Hughes brothers. They were 20 years old. When they made this that's insane so i, I have to give him a pass on some of that yeah. right so yeah it's uh it's a good one man you know um charles s dutton has a, a nice little turn in it which i'd forgotten about lorenz tate is such a oh. fire firecracker <laughs> in this absolutely film like a, just a little m80 just live wire yeah he is and it's got one of the strongest openings i can think of in film like it just it takes you and it really grabs you by the collar and then the end, like the bookends for the film, really, really grip you. Um, yeah, no, it's a good one. It's uh, it's good. It's like I said, I can't believe it had been 30 years since I'd seen it. Um, next up was when I threw on. I've been really pushing hard, and I'll probably do it, you know, till the wheels fall off. Because uh, you had mentioned um, on the air, which unfortunately is off the air because of the recording didn't pick it up. Uh, trying to get away from. Uh, a lot of physical media purchases because every other week it seems like there's something that comes out. So I subscribe to the arrow video uh, streaming service and Mm -hmm. it's just, it's such a gift every week. I'm finding one or two things that I really dig. So I got this um, kind of backwards thriller slash slasher, the final terror. Have you seen this? I have not. So this is pretty fun. Yeah. Backwoods thrillery kind of slasher, Joel Pantliano shows up as kind of a a southern hick. Like he's. (laughs) Yeah, it's really weird, but he's really good in the role. Um, Adrian Semed, Rachel Ward, Daryl Hannah's super young in this. Um, It's uh, it's a really good one. And the thing I find. I mean, it's not a prerequisite for a a slasher. Mm -hmm. um, The cast is very likable. Like the cast they're all really likable they're they're fairly well written um, yeah, just uh, the the characters of color are not just lazily written. Mm-hmm. You know, they're kind of given they're just they're treated with the same respect that the other characters are treated with, which you know was refreshing for the time. Um, it is a fun one man it's it's really fun. I was it, it actually it's also kind of a mix of monster movie too. So oh, interesting, a monster movie, slasher, backwards thriller. So kind of it's got a lot in the pot, but it's uh, yeah, I wouldn't say it's, uh, you know, a world beater, but a very pleasant surprise for me. I hadn't even heard of it, but I think the title is so generic. The final terror. Yeah, yeah,
0: it is. And the poster looks a little bit generic, too. So generic. It almost but looks uh,
2: like a 70s sci fi disaster movie. or a disaster, a disaster film movie. of some kind. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So too bad. But it's uh, it's a good one. I would definitely recommend that.
0: Um, yeah, lean 82 minutes and and also streaming on tubi if you don't have or uh
2: arrow or shutter so you'll still probably get it for 90 minutes yeah <laughs> that's no doubt fatal exam take note that's right uh next up was one that i'd been aware of for a long time and i and for whatever reason i never got around to it um i was at my dad's house and he and i were up and he threw on 99 homes the Michael Shannon, Andrew Garfield jam. Uh, did you ever see this one?
0: No, I have not.
2: So it's pretty good. Uh, big fan of Michael Shannon. Uh, he hasn't done... His profile's raised and I haven't loved or been interested in as much of the stuff he's done as of late just because he tends to play the heavy a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. I like him in, in roles where he's he's the lead and you know we really get to see him shine. And of course, I love Andrew Garfield. So this film was made... Uh, right after the uh, um the recession that we went through it was 08 mm-hmm. 09, I think. So with the with the real estate with the crash with the housing market, it I guess the the elevator pitch would be, Wall Street with the real real estate crash. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Shannon is in the Gordon Gecko role. Uh, Garfield, of course, machine role, but uh it's it's a really well-made film um you kind of feel the anxiety like it really cuts the bone you know you see people lose their homes their lives are just getting destroyed it's uh it's it's a it's a hard watch you know it's a pretty good film um but yeah it's uh i wasn't expecting to watch it and you know i ended up getting sucked into it pretty well so yeah no it's a good one Mm, plus the surprise yeah definitely definitely um, I'll just talk like about a couple more quickly. Uh, rewatch of Lady Terminator with a couple friends that had never seen it. They, you know, they've seen a ton of films, but they haven't gotten into kind of the weird, wonderful films from around the world or a lot of the, you know, the the Gary Daniels actioners and things like that. So I'm kind of taking them down the rabbit holes. Um, so I I had sort of pitched Lady Terminator to them, and my friend bought the um, Mondo Macabro disc like on the spot. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's got that red, like it's red plastic case. It's, uh, it's great. Um, so yeah, we threw it on. It's, it's aged like fine wine. It's. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, I, I have
0: that red cover disc.
2: Yeah. As do I, as yeah. do I, it's uh, again under 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. There is no pretension about what it is or isn't. It just, it goes for it and it is so much fun
0: yeah there's no no more ringing endorsement of a film than watching someone like jump on their phone and and get on their favorite online retailer and uh and make a purchase
2: oh yeah that's it like they're in right so yeah yeah no it was it's awesome man it's it's if you haven't seen it, i'm sure people have been around for a long time like with us in the show and And online, like they've seen it, own it or seen it. But if you haven't, it's it's a tremendous piece of work. Uh, Last one I want to talk about. And I think I spoke to you about this one Mm -hmm. because it felt very sort of in your wheelhouse. So would it be of interest to you? It's uh, Nico Mastarakis, early 90s erotic horror cyber thriller dot com for murder. Did I talk to you about this one? Yeah, I think we had a, a, a short exchange
0: about it. And then I think that sent me on a wild goose chase to, to see what I could find of.
2: Uh, of his of his stuff, of his output. This. Yeah, this is a good one if for people of a certain taste. Uh, <laughs> That's right. If I if w- what I said, what, what did I say, like a erotic horror or cyber thriller, if that appeals to you from the 90s, if that appeals to you, then you'll know if you're in or not. But it's got Natasha Kinski and Nikolai Sheridan, uh, Roger Daltrey as like the rich tech boyfriend and Huey Lewis as the FBI agent on the case. <laughs> so
0: he was channeling David Bowie and
2: in, um, in the Twin Peaks film. Though. Yeah, huge. <laughs> and then it's um, I got to let a dog in here. You might hear at the door one sec. But it's uh, who was the guy that did 10 to Midnight? Was it Andrew Davis? See the the killer in that you remember? Is it Andrew Davis? Uh, I think it may have been. We'll pretend it's Andrew Davis. For Let's pretend for keeping things moving. So yep. the guy that puts in the Andrew Davis, like pervy, surfs the web naked with eyeliner on, <laughs> horse, cross-legged <laughs> is incredible. Wow. Oh, man. What, what a like, visual. This would be a good one to put on with <laughs> With a group. It's so. It, it because it's made right when. Oh, what's going on here? what you get scared by? Uh, it. It's done at the beginning of the 90s when the internet was just in its infancy for. Yeah, prodigy and
0: AOL and dial up modems.
2: Oh, yeah. And I'll tell you, there are so many uh, assumptions made about how powerful one can be using it that it's just it's a delight to watch so yeah that's a good one dot com for murder which again he's also kind of nodding to hitchcock dial m for murder right there's a bit of oh, yeah. rear window in this because um kinski is uh wheelchair bound because she's had a, a skiing accident or something so yeah no it's uh, it's a fun one also bro, yeah. i should say the aero channel
0: Oh nice. I think I think our discussion of this actually um resulted in me seeing Blind Date by uh by the same director, Nico Mastarakis. Oh,
2: Blind Date. I don't know if I've
0: seen that. That one has Kirsty Alley in it, um, Lana Clarkson, Joseph Bottoms, but no. basically oh. it's like a it's a it's a blind man or a man who becomes blind, I should say, um, and then has to sort of solve a or, or rather, stalk a uh, potential killer. That sounds there's some, like cool. there's some like VR elements in it as well, and oh. and like early rough and ready VR
2: at that. Wow. So, see, the thing I like about Masterakis is he he kind of being Greek, you know, being Mediterranean. Oh. He kind of takes that Italian, we're just gonna go for it energy. Yeah, and so just log- throw the logic out the window. This is the story we're trying to tell. Yep, it doesn't matter. We're just we're gonna put our foot in the gas.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh, I got to see this. Yeah, it's it's, it's it's pretty fun. Awesome, awesome. You know we should do May Storakis and just do all the <laughs> <laughs> Storakis joints. But I know, yeah, we're not a theme, but that. Oh man, his stuff's good. Okay, cool. Um, so I'm looking at my computer. I'm hoping it hasn't been hacked by a man, a nude man. Uh, with eyeliner on, uh, I'm looking at the clock. Do you know what time it is by any chance, Matt? Um,
0: well, Will, I've always really felt that a time is an illusion, so I
2: don't know what time it is. Can you tell me? I would be happy to tell you what time it is. It's time for this or that. Moi je joue à joue contre joue. Je veux jouer à joue contre
0: vous, mais vous le voulez-vous De tout cœur, je veux gagner ce cœur à cœur. Vous connaissez mon jeu par cœur, alors défendez-vous. Sans tricher, je vous le promets. J'ai gagné, tant pis c'est bien fait, vous êtes de mon jouet. À présent, ce ne sera plus vous, mais toi.
2: Well, that is the time. It is time for this or that. Uh, Matt, you know the drill. I'm going to give you a few, you give me a few, and uh, we'll see where we land on this. Uh, Being the guest host, I will defer to you first, sir. Oh, certainly. Thank you.
0: Um Yeah, a lot of options here. I'm gonna I'm gonna start kind of simple and then we'll work into harder decisions. Absolutely. So first one
2: up is um bucket hat or visor. Wow. I'm gonna go visor on this one. I you know hats are a funny thing. I love hats. I don't wear them as much as I've gotten old. Let I me mean, still wear a base, but you can tell I need a haircut if I'm wearing a hat. <laughs> <laughs> That's the go-to for me. Yeah. Right. Cause my hair is just dead straight. It's and a telltale sign. Always. If I'm wearing a hat like days on end. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Will needs a haircut. Um, but I'm going to go visor only because I always wanted to be kind of a bucket hat guy and they never seem to look good on me. Our youngest son rocks a bucket hat looks great on him. Um, Oddly enough, I found a picture, not to digress too much, but it is topical. I found a picture yesterday, going through my mom's stuff, of both of my parents in sunglasses and bucket hats. Like, <laughs> like
1: wow.
0: So, oh, okay, so these were 60s bucket hats. These 60s. were not like um, like Kangol bucket hats or something to that Uh-oh. effect.
2: Uh-oh. So that was a very, a very cool find, speaking of bucket hats. But I got to go visor because I have worn a couple of visors in my day but in saying that I would never I don't think I'd ever wear a visor again. Like I don't feel uh, yeah nor would I. No, I there was a time in my life in the 90s I would have but I just would feel like I'd be channeling Josh McDaniels or Doug Peterson too much so couldn't do That's that. Right. You? What do you got? No, You're, I'm
0: I'm I'm visor as well. I've only ever worn of the two a visor never never even uh, tried a bucket hat because i think my head um actually looked like a bucket when i was wearing it so <laughs> it was just not for me like mush mouth
2: <laughs> that's right that's pull right. it down
0: yeah
2: yeah yeah okay cool uh goldfish or do you have goldfish the, the cracker like the snack there yeah you do right certainly do okay good i should have known goldfish or animal crackers
0: Ooh um, I think I'm gonna go with goldfish in this scenario. Very nice. Um, yeah. just the more the savory over the sweet, I guess. I mean animal crackers are not not too sweet as far as as cookies or, or sweet crackers go, but um, I've certainly. Put down my fair share of of goldfish and and Cheez-Its and better cheddars and any
2: number of cheese-related snack crackers. Yeah, man. I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. I do want to give flowers to animal crackers for getting that right amount of sweetness where it's almost a minefield because you get going and you think these aren't too sweet and before you know it, you've crushed a bag. But goldfish, Mm -hmm. yeah, I, I would say i probably eat goldfish once a month or once every other month i do like them big fan of the three cheese blend or the three cheese trio or whatever they call it Ooh, that's a good one it's uh it's it's like there's a white one i don't know if it's supposed to be like a mozzarella or i don't think it's supposed to be
0: parmesan perhaps
2: yeah yeah that's probably what it is but that's that's my go-to and it's weird the kids they, they, they like the cheddar ones I've tried the extreme ones. They're too extreme. Oh, is it is it like a like a spicy extreme or is that a cheese no, extreme? It's like triple cheddar. You know, it's just too uh-huh. much like dust on your he- finger. <laughs> <just> too much <laughs>
0: evidence left
2: behind. Way too much evidence and way too much regret in your stomach because they're just. Yeah. yeah, it's too much of a good thing.
0: I would say if you put, you know, a bag of animal crackers, though, With a jar of Nutella next to me. Oh, then, then it'd be game over. I think I'd That's have hard. to go animal crackers there. Nutella's a secret Ooh. weapon. It is. And, and also the silent killer.
2: Yeah, man. Oh. <laughs> I almost bought some yesterday, I think, because we were going to make these uh, little mini like air fryer donuts. They're two ingredients, Greek yogurt and Ooh. flour, mm-hmm. roll them up, put them in the air fryer for 15 minutes. And I was going to get some Nutella to like dip them in and, I was like, you know what? I knew. I knew. I said, I got to keep the seatbelt on here because this is going to get a control very quickly.
0: <laughs> it does. Yeah. Save it for a rainy day. Yes. <laughs> um. Next one up Uh, Red Sonia or Conan the Destroyer?
2: Ooh. I'm going to go Conan the Destroyer here. Sonia's cool. Yeah. But she doesn't have Wilt Chamberlain running around mm. kind of, it's more like a guys on a mission film. So I'm going to go with destroyer on this one. I haven't seen either of the Conan films in in quite some time, nor Sonya for that matter. But, uh, yeah. What, uh, what do yeah, you on this?
0: Um, it's kind of a, kind of a photo finish. Um, I, I grew up with both of these, um, I, I think I may have seen Conan the Destroyer before I saw Conan the Barbarian. As did Because I. yeah, I mean it's a, it's a little bit more kid-friendly and comic booky. Mhm. Right? But um and for that matter, so is Red Sonja in, in some ways. Although I seem to remember there's more some more adult stuff going on in that one. But um yeah, to your point, I mean Red Sonja doesn't have Will Chamberlain, but I I think they do have Ernie Reyes Jr., don't they?
2: Oh man, I forgot all
0: about that. It's like the child prince martial artist. So oh, are in their cap. Um but I think I, I think uh, just because of of Arnie and and some of the other uh supporting um performers, uh, Grace Jones. Um yes, that's right. Yeah, Conan the Destroyer would also be my pick there too.
2: Yeah, it's kind of a fun, you know, like a team an ensemble pulpy pulpy, yeah Yeah. that's that's true no and like you said to your point i i definitely saw it before barbarian so um richard norton i I i'm gonna revise this i had a different name but i'm gonna change it to one (laughs) this morning richard norton or jerry trimble (laughs) (laughs) um
0: I think it's Richard Norton. Um, I think it's Richard Norton because he has a longer, well, a, he has a longer run. Um, he had, I think a few different films in Hong Kong. I think magic crystal may have been one of them. Um, and I, I know Jerry was in the master with Jet Li, but, um, Other than that, I don't know that he had quite as large a run with Hong Kong films. And then when, you know, both actors made the transition to being leading actors in, um, you know, films based in in the Americas and the Philippines, um, I just think Richard Norton just has, has better leading man energy. Although Jerry might be a little bit more fun to watch as a martial artist.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. I think that – so I'm Norton as well. Um, mm-hmm. Norton just – I think he had a little – he could carry it a little better. Yep. And he was a little more diverse. Um, he could do face or heel equally well, whereas Trimble, I think, naturally played a heel better. Um, but, yeah, no, that's uh, – initially I had Michael Bradley in that slot. But – it Oh, that would – yeah. Is it Michael Bradley? You know, the I think he's in uh, American Ninja. Oh,
0: David Bradley. David Bradley. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I I think. um, Yeah, I think it's Richard Norton. Richard Norton did a couple films. I think he did the Rage and Honor films with. um, Show Or the Rage and Glory or Rage and Honor or Honor and Glory. He did two films with uh, Cynthia Rothrock,
2: kind of like buddy team ups. I feel like it's honor and glory, but I, but again, tossing all the <laughs> each honor, glory. That's right.
0: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Um. I have one for you and this is kind, this is on, this is borderline unfair. Bill Withers or Otis Redding.
2: This is not borderline. <laughs> this is unfair. This is. Unfair. <laughs> okay, so. wow 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 gun to my head okay gun to my head oh and i hate myself no matter what i say i'm gonna go bill withers on this one and i'll tell you why i don't feel right necessarily saying that mm-hmm. but i had a revelation maybe about 10 years ago that uh i see a beautiful wife tiptoeing around here uh I was asked if I prefer Bill Withers or Otis Redding.
0: Otis Redding.
2: So, my wife's Otis. She was very quick to say. Uh, love you. Uh, I'm going to go Bill Withers only because, and as much as I love Otis, because I feel like Bill Withers, I was listening to him and I was like, wow, he's got so many more great songs than I realized. But I don't know. It's hard to top Otis, man. Shout out. No, no. <laughs> Ah <laughs> uh, man, I don't know. That's a hard one. That it is a tough one. Ah oh, man, you know what? I got to make a decision here. Gun to my head. No, I you know what? I hate to do this to Bill. Oh, see look oh. at that. Red alert, red alert. Wow. Um that's what happens when we we don't disarm the alarm before. <laughs>
0: I, th- I thought I uh, thought it was uh Otis
2: reaching out, reaching out from beyond. I'm gonna go from Otis beyond. for for sentimental reasons. Actually, if my wife can hear this, uh, it's it, Otis means more to us. Yeah. Wet night, first date. I gotta go Otis. It's hard to top.
1: That. Oh, now you're switching.
2: Oh, come on, man. Yes. So yeah, gonna go Otis, but Bill's a, a very close second. Yeah, yeah i also I'd, Sam I'd, book too. I mean. Yeah, that's
0: right. I mean, I'd put as my qualifier. Like, if I'm going to sit down with an album by myself and listen to it start to finish, it's probably Bill Withers. But if I want to throw something on um, during the course of a, you know, party or or whatever, it might be Otis. Yeah,
2: Otis digs real deep, right? Like, you just, man, you feel it when he's yeah. singing. It just, it's from the, No doubt. It. but Withers is such a great songwriter, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me just leave leave you and the listeners with this. If you've not heard the song "I Can't Write Left Handed" by Bill Withers, his live performance of that is just it's heartbreaking. It's it's uh he wrote it during Vietnam. Uh, it's a it's a really really just a wonderful song, really heartbreaking. So, yeah, man, that was a tough one. Um, okay, we'll just do maybe a couple more here. Okay. Um, I feel like this one Is, is an age old debate But I'm curious where you sit on this one Scorsese or De Palma No wait That might be a little too easy Maybe arguably Scorsese Or Coppola
1: Hmm
0: I think the highs might be higher with Coppola, and there's a range there that I don't know that I've seen from Scorsese, but I think it might be Scorsese for me.
2: okay that's I think that's a pretty fair statement., um, but I'm gonna go the other way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love Marty's. Have you ever seen um he did a couple of cool films that were kind of off his. Outside of his normal wheelhouse like um after hours after hours yeah or more yeah i have I haven't seen Alice doesn't live here anymore yet, but That's, I intend to yeah really really good, and his documentaries, which I actually haven't even seen yet, like his music mm-hmm. documentaries, but the stuff like for me you know I've given two films in my life a ten out of ten, and one of them's the Godfather, so I feel like there's that you know when when you have a a, a trifecta of Godfather or Godfather Two, take your pick. Apocalypse Now, mm-hmm. and the conversation. Oof. You yeah. know, what I mean? like, but, but like you said, Scorsese's full body. Like it, it, this almost comes on like the basketball thing. Like maybe when you look at their starting fives, you know, maybe you know De Palmas would would roll. But when you look down that bench, Scorsese's probably twelve deep. Right. So more more balanced. Yeah, more balanced, right? Yeah, for sure. So the other
0: thing about Scorsese is like he's never really had the courage as a filmmaker to put Keanu Reeves in a vampire orgy, the way Coppola did.
1: <laughs>
0: um, right man, <laughs> very good points. Yeah, I I gotta say I I know that the film has its detractors, and I know that um, a, a couple of the performances in that film are. somewhat of a laughing stock among some people. Um, however, I really dig Bram Stoker's Dracula just like visually and thematically. And I just think there's some there's some really good stuff going on there with that
2: with that film. And you know what I love about it is it's ambitious. Right? Like it it yeah, it's in cut corners, he swings for the fences with that one. It's a gorgeous looking film and some of it may seem bloated or silly but i admire uh, his his vision right and that he swung for it so oh that's cool um i'm going to save another food one for next week so okay okay so I'll, I'll i'll just give you a, maybe go one more i have one more as well okay cool um ooh okay good so Speaking of Dracula, we have two vampires here, Willem Dafoe or Gary Oldman?
1: Hmm. Oh, (laughs) this
2: is tough. I didn't even realize I paired Nosferatu and Dracula together.
0: Well, as soon as you said it, I was I was immediately thinking, well, does he mean them as like playing vampires specifically? <laughs> or does he mean their full body of work? Because those are two different conversations. Very true. Um, I'm going to say Defoe only because... I feel I've seen more to render that judgment. Whereas I, I don't know that I've seen Gary Oldman in enough stuff. Um, Obviously, you know, things like the professional Bram Stoker's Dracula, true romance, um, you know, some of his, his bigger titles, but I haven't seen him in work that, Uh, stretches him performatively the way I maybe have seen stuff from, you know, Willem Dafoe. Um, What's that Paul Schrader film he did with Susan Sarandon, Light Sleeper. That's a good one. So that, I think that film for me made me realize how good he is as a, uh, like a quiet performer who can do something more, uh kind of natural and and restrained and quiet because um, he's known for a lot of his like kind of outsized you know wacky performances as well but um i don't know that's a tough one what about you
2: i'm i'm the same as you i think both are as good as it gets for for sort of character actors when given the chance to shine in lead roles and in very challenging roles they they're, you're in completely safe hands not even safe that that undersells it i i don't think i think those two can keep up with anyone mm-hmm. uh, i think they're both tremendous um but yeah i got to go defoe i don't know you know i think defoe and my kids really love defoe uh they've seen him in a couple of things like uh, as uh lizard and a few things um but I just feel like in Florida Project, William and I watched recently. Mm. Oh, he's so good in that. Yeah. Um, Oldman, I guess, I don't know if it's a bit of a recency bias either, because I I haven't seen a ton of Oldman lately. Um, I mean, anything he's in, he's just, he he brings it home. But I don't know. I guess for me, maybe it's because I've seen more Defoe, and I, I just, I don't know. I've kind of seen... Thankfully, like this wave kind of trending in to really give him his flowers, because I'll tell you, man, I think he's such a gift to film. He loves Mm -hmm. film. He's when you look at all the directors he's worked with, uh, there's a really great A24 interview he did with um, Isabella Rossellini.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, So they are kind of talking about their careers and she talks about him working with everyone. I mean, think about it. He's worked with Walter Hill, Paul Schrader um i'm drawing a blank here but you go back and look uh like everyone he's worked with everyone right like abel ferrara yeah that's on
0: right and on you did know. you ever did you ever see him in um and this is kind of kind of a strange reach but uh did you ever see him in um that episode of fishing with john no so, so fishing with john was this like series that was conceptualized by um frequent jarmish jim jarmish collaborator john Laurie, um who was also the lounge lizards but um john Laurie did this weird run of um basically like fishing television episodes where he and a celebrity or actor friend would just like go fishing together and John Laurie and Willem Dafoe go ice fishing together
2: and you got to see it. I do got to see it. And I didn't know that was a thing. It's almost, that almost sounds like, uh, like the Jay Seinfeld thing, right? Like getting coffee yeah. in cars with comedians or whatever That's it is. Right. Yeah. But I love that. I love, you know, and same with this a 24 format where they'll get like two people that have a relationship of some kind. And like, there's one I'm listening to now. It's Michelle, Yo and Brendan Fraser. It's such a joy to listen to, but, um, I got to check that out. I just, I can't, and I think maybe it might be my heart over my head, but I just love Defoe so much. And I know that sounds like such an obvious statement, but I don't know. I find myself thinking about him a lot and thinking about the work he's still doing. And he's still, he's still doing really great, interesting work. And he has, I think about the lighthouse. Yeah. No, like he's just such a pro man. He can do it all. So Yeah, he's awesome. Uh, What's your What's your last one here for this week?
0: All right, final one. We're gonna bring it home to Canada, and I'm gonna ask you better underrated Canadian horror film: The Brain or Deadline?
2: Well, I am Team Deadline. Uh, Yeah, I the you know Deadline to me. I caught it. I bought the VHS at like a sale for 25 cents um, years ago, and just the cover, you know, kind of it was kind of sucked in, and uh, it's just I don't know. It's something about it I find very unsettling. Um, It just it works. It works really well for me. I'm a big fan, and it's got a nice release from I think Vinegar Syndrome or Mm -hmm. uh, Can you hear that? Can you hear that crinkling? Uh,
0: a little bit. Are you, are you getting the bag of goldfish
2: out? I'm getting the bag of goldfish and the bag of animal crackers out. (laughs) Shake them up. I'm going to get whacked. But, uh, let me digress for just a moment before we finish up with deadline and, um, the brain. Uh, I've found that I don't like the, the death rattle squeak of a lot of dog toys. Mm -hmm. So I really go for like the crinkly toys now.
0: Yeah. yeah, I agree. Cr- we have a few of those. Like we have one dog who likes the squeak and the crinkle, and another dog who would prefer to just, you know, maw on like a like a paper bag.
2: Or sure. Something. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's I, I just, you know, we'll be watching something, and just the squeak, squeak, squeak gets to be gets to be too much. So we're we're team crinkle. Um, For sure. Speaking of this or that, that's the dog. This or that. <laughs> um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, man, Deadline's a cool film. I'm so glad I got the Blu-ray release and I'm glad you're Deadline. Uh, tell me, like, when did you first check it out? And, you know, obviously you like it. What are your sort of quick thoughts on it?
0: Uh, deadline, it was a like at least a semi-blind purchase from Vinegar Syndrome when I started, like, you know, checking out their titles. And um, I think there's like a there's like some interesting kind of dreamy logic stuff going on that film that um elevates it for for me um it, it has a stronger sense of the surreal between the two although i mean what could be more surreal than a giant uh, monstrous <laughs> brain uh, killing the citizens of Toronto Canada <laughs> um but yeah i think um deadline is one that i i I want to revisit and and probably should revisit. And I think there's like a there's a vaguely Stephen King, um, you know, character in that as well. And I think there's some interesting referential uh, things going on in it. So, um, yeah, no, they're, they're both a joy. I mean, there's no wrong answer there. But I think uh, I think Deadline for me is just a stronger film and a better watch.
2: I agree. Now, I would say like young me would probably take the brain. Yeah. Um, especially because I remember always seeing that box, and it always felt like I always at the time felt like it was like a Critters film. It would always be close to Critters, like B, C. That's right, because it was it was very similar to like
0: the. It looked like the Critter Ball from Critters 2
2: it, it did. Just you didn't see the hair kind of yeah, yeah, of hair kind of, but it that's so I've always kind of associated it with that. So that's funny. So yeah, well that's a good a good week of this or that, man. Good week of this or that um we are gonna take a short break we're gonna restock the nutella and animal crackers and goldfish and <laughs> head over to japan get the uh, the brass section going for swing girls we will be right back <laughs> Gang, it is time for our main review of the week. Again, it is 2004's uh, Shinobu Yaguchi film, Swing Girls. So, to be honest, this was um, this film was kind of the seed that got planted for to kind of allow No Murder March to bloom. Um, I thought about it. I've been trying to get it on the show for a long time. It's such a, a wonderful, sweet film. Um, and then it made me think you know maybe we can do more of this no murder stuff it's like no meat what is it no meat mondays or whatever day of the week you want or maybe every mm-hmm. day of the week if you want uh i know i always feel better when i refrain from going heavy on the the beef right so decided we'd uh we'd get into this um it's funny i posted uh like is the like the the photo in the group for like the not the masthead what's the term like the the picture at the top of the group—I don't know what the term is on Facebook—but cover photo. There maybe? we go. There we go. So I posted a swing girl screenshot as a cover photo, and it's funny—I got some pretty, pretty warm, kind of passionate reactions. So, yeah, hopefully people dig this one. Um, full disclosure: this one is not readily available,
1: unfortunately.
2: Yeah. That's kind of the the cruel twist of fate here. Is it's weird? There's like this period of you know, from the nineties into the two thousands where some, some countries like their films just aren't as, as easy to get. I think Olive might've put out, a, no, maybe not all of someone put out a Blu-ray of this. It's out there and you can get a DVD. It's out there, but it's not readily available to stream or rent um, digitally, unfortunately, but, right. but there is one spot you can get it. So, it is available to watch, and this is how I watched it, via the Internet Archive. Mm-hmm. So, fair warning, the subtotals, subtitles are spare. Uh, <laughs> that's generous. That's Let's generous. be honest. <laughs> but I'll tell you this, and this is maybe, you know, being a, a positive, happy guy who tries to find the silver lining. So, to give everyone an example, I'm watching it and I'd said to you, hey, yeah, oh, great. You know, that's always the kind of scramble, you know, behind the scenes oh, okay, where can I watch the film? All right, it's here. Okay, great. You know, it's on this service. So I'd said to Matt, okay, here it is. Oh, and I checked it briefly. Yeah, subtitles is good. And then I started watching it, and I was like, oh, my God. There's maybe, like, if the subtitler was a batter, he'd be maybe batting 200. Yeah, right at the Mendoza line right there. Right at the Mendoza line. So here's the takeaway, though, from having – very sparse or spare subtitles the film has sort of an economy and a a beautiful simplicity that even with limited subtitles um i don't think too much is taken away from the film in terms of understanding it or appreciating it
0: yeah i wholeheartedly agree with that there's it's, a lot of universality in in this film it's it's an under a sort of underdog story of sorts like you know almost akin to like if if it were a sport it's like a ragtag group of um kids predominantly female getting together to basically form a jazz big band over their love of music skills be damned right
2: we should say they they happen upon this love of music too that's right they completely stumble into it right they're like all in summer school and just kind of like they're not like delinquents or anything but they're just maybe there's this sort of strong tide of apathy and just directionlessness yeah at that age kind of yeah just rudderless just drifting through and you know i guess uh they didn't find jazz jazz found them (laughs) <laughs> I'm put a little work in but yeah. yeah no it does definitely follow that arc of kind of the underdog story and that's something that and I'll be forthright in saying I haven't seen a lot of Yoguchi's work I'm familiar with a lot of his work but he kind of trades in this um, underdog story feel good man I'm losing my voice today you know I was not to sidebar too much, I was watching uh, Arsenal soccer or football, depending on what part of the world you're in, match, and uh, they scored in the 97th minute, which is like, like a Hail Mary at the end of the game, and so I lost my voice, uh, so that's why I'm kind of raspy here, but um, yeah, Yuguchi kind of trades in this, and he's kind of perfected this, it's almost like he is to feel good Japanese underdog stories as Guy Ritchie is to Cockney gangster films. <laughs> <laughs> He's a one trick pony, but he does that yeah. tr- real well. Yeah, that's right. I
0: haven't seen um his prior film water boys yet, but I'm, I think it's about either. I think it's about a synchronized uh, boys swimming team.
2: Yeah. Which again, you'd think to yourself like, you know wow that's that's a thing but yeah Yeah. it's uh yeah and it's got kind of a fun cast you know a couple faces in it um but yeah he's jumped around to different things that you wouldn't necessarily think like the other one one people dig and someone was saying oh you got to check out his uh wood job Hmm. which is uh you know a young man who again you know kind of rudderless he gets into a job in forestry and and finds his uh his tribe right so It's uh, yeah, I definitely want to get into some of his other stuff too, Um, because he's his stuff works, right? I mean, you need a little sunshine, so uh, it's nice to see films now and then that um, are completely devoid of cynicism or Mm -hmm. or cruelty, right? So yeah, this is a two thousand four film. I always mix this up for some reason. Did you ever you ever seen Linda Linda Linda? The Japanese, the female. So Linda, Linda, Linda is kind of like. Do you remember that Finnish film? I think it was Finnish. What what, the the two or three young girls? Maybe there's a boy where they start a punk band.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: And they hate sport. One of them says, like, I hate sports or.
0: Somewhat a somewhat recent Finnish film. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
2: Yeah, like within the past. Names escaping me, but. Yeah. I I know what you mean. So. Linda, Linda, Linda is kind of sort of like that. Um, but I would always mix these two up because it was a year apart. These Japanese films, predominantly female, uh, about music, about bands. Right. So just uh, kind of funny. But um, so one of the things that strikes me when you watch this is and this is how, you know, a director's done their job. Is everyone seems to get the memo as far as the cast goes. Mm hmm right like you don't get anyone kind of with their own agenda there seems to be a very clear yaguchi's got everyone on board and bought in to what the film is what like the universe they're going to inhabit is there's almost a kind of a weird off-kilter comic booky feel um, to what happens but everyone seems fully bought in and invested which uh, which I really like yeah even um I'm going to
0: I'm going to really struggle with the name or pronunciation, I should say. But um, Naoto Takenaka, uh, who plays uh, the math teacher slash. Uh, actually, I won't say that second part because it's a bit spoilery, oh, yes. but he's he's a math teacher substitute um, named Mr. Ozawa. And I've seen Takanaka in like some of the most like violent and depraved Japanese cinema I've ever seen, yet also some of um some of the funniest i mean he's in um uh happiness of the katakoris yes um i think the depraved films i'm thinking of uh, include um like a, a night in nude and its sequel a night in nude salvation um but he he's a he's a face that if you have even a little bit of um uh experience with with contemporary japanese cinema you've seen this face before um and, and he certainly got the memo maybe above uh, almost anyone else in this cast. He's he's really excellent. He is
2: excellent. Uh, he, he's kind of got this like a friendly, almost like. Um, oh, goodness. I can't think of his name right now. Uh, God, I'm so brutal right now. Coffee hasn't fully kicked in um, from Akiru, uh, Seven Samurai. Um, can't think of his name right now. It's embarrassing, but I'm gonna keep talking.
0: Not so, to share Mifune.
2: No, the lead in Ikiru, and he's also like the. Lead
0: oh, oh, I, I know. Okay.
2: Uh, Tegashi Shimura. Tegashi ah, Shimura. Yeah. So, well, he doesn't maybe have the same sort of gravitas. He has sort of this this warm humanity that Shimura also has. I don't. And I don't know how much that is due to having a similar hairstyle or lack of. But there's just a certain. Kind of quiet humanity to both of them that uh is really effective mm. um but yeah no i love that you know you know you're kind of in for something when you see a film and it just feels like everyone's bought in because a lot of times we can see films and performances are kind of all over the map but it feels like everyone's dialed into the same radio station here and i really like that um
0: it's go ahead oh i was i was just going to say i think Part of what allows everybody to do that performatively is the consistency of energy um, and tone throughout the film. I mean, story wise, it has its up and ups and downs, but there's a, a sort of wacky off the wall exuberance throughout the entire film um, uh, that kind of requires everybody to be on the same page in some respect. Yeah, that's a good point.
2: I, again, I just I think I think it'd be reductive and, and wrongfully kind of dismissive to just look at Yaguchi's film as just by the numbers. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you have to get everyone to be on the same page and you have to you can be by the numbers. But does your audience care? Yeah. And he's he does a great job of giving them little flourishes and and allowing us as the audience to really care, like about all the little victories and the little setbacks and he's not reinventing the wheel here but it just uh it's so effective um and i love you know even some of the stuff like early on when we see that they're at the school this the first scene of the film it almost feels almost like this like a, a fairy tale like they're plopped in the the middle of the mountains the cicadas are going uh it's summertime it just you you don't know it just you're really immersed in in this town and you, it gives you kind of a thumbnail sketch of the characters and it know. almost
0: feels like the start of like a music video like those 90s oh god like uh you, you know like a like a like mid to late 90s like alternative rock or a punk band music video that you'd see on mtv in the afternoon totally. it definitely starts in that way totally does totally does
2: so i'll have to admit i was worried we're doing no murder march <laughs> And I was worried because one of the and I don't think this is a spoiler. So the uh, the girls in their, their summer school, they have to deliver these lunches to the, the, the brass band who's performing and they all get. Wow. Thank you very much. Uh, I just got an awesome breakfast brought to me. That's pretty great. Uh, so they're. Speaking of food delivery, no. um, <laughs> yeah, I just hope I don't suffer the same fate. But uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so they have to deliver this food, and the band gets poisoned. And I was right. I, oh, I hope so, I forget. Like I don't think anyone dies, but luckily we avoid that. But um, now I got a dog going nuts. Sorry, uh, that's okay. Um, I got to ask you, Matt. if at any point in your life have you ever been a mud puppy? <laughs> <laughs> um not
0: not consciously no
2: not mm-hmm. that i'm aware of no no um i'll also ask you another question in your life we've all well maybe not all hopefully not all some of us have had flies in our soup have you ever had a rock in your shrimp
0: no the next one would be the first one i would say
2: uh, let that's hope it never comes to that
1: <laughs>
2: um yeah just Yoguchi, he's you know he he's funny just some of the flourishes he brings like there's a, a really funny exchange and it's such a th- in the grand scheme of the film such a throwaway exchange but uh so they deliver these lunches and two of the girls decide they're gonna eat one of the lunches and of course that leaves one lunch <laughs> short for the band mm-hmm. and the one guy comes up and he's asking them hey have you seen this lunch did you eat it and she goes, no. And the camera kind of crash zooms to this like sesame seed on her chin.
0: <laughs> and there's like a, there's like a single she's like, well, don't look at me. I don't know where it is. And then he looks at her and then sees like a single sesame seed on, on the side of her face. It was just like a, a wonderfully comic moment.
2: Yeah, it was great. It was great. Um, and uh, what's not great is vomiting into your horn.
0: That's correct. You never want to vomit into the horn. If if possible you want to vomit um well certainly not in someone else's horn, but maybe um well, unless they ask you to, but if they're um, into that sort of thing, I guess. Yeah, if they're into that sort of thing. That's right. Um I, I do want to also ask, while we're on the subject of of uh puke in the horn, have you ever had a mouse inside your trumpet?
2: Well, if that's not code speak, then I haven't. Even if it is code speak, I haven't. But uh, I love the mouse and the trumpet in this. It's a nice little touch. We get the mouse and the trumpet POV at the back end of the film.
0: Yeah, I think that shot alone costs, you know, more than half the film's budget.
2: Yeah, that was awesome. I would guess that was awesome. But I, I don't want to spend. I could spend time pondering how one cleans a horn that's been vomited in. Yeah. I, I, I would. Where do you begin? Do you like? Do you put a hose in the horn?
0: Yeah. Is it a hose in the horn or do you have to find an appropriately sized receptacle for the water to get all that water in there? And I, it's it's maddening. I, I wouldn't know how to uh, how to start or a bottle brush. You ever see those? Oh, but, yeah.
2: Yeah. I don't know. But I don't want to know. Um, Let's see here. You know, this almost feels like and I love this film. It's aged well. This almost feels like the reverse school of rock in a way. Mm hmm in that that is about this group of you know kind of private school kids who are uptight and sheltered and and music allows them to to soar and to kind of discover themselves whereas this not to say like it's this this like delinquent school it's not like um um, like what's that series like the not the female scorpion series like it's not like a Mm. prison band like right it's just summer school but it allows them this, the, the their discovery and love of of this discovery and of music allows them to shine. And I just love that sentiment. You know, as a teenager, we're all looking to to fit in and belong and, and, uh, it's, it's just nice to see their discovery and their journey and, uh, you know, and the triumphs that they have uh, doing this, right. It's, uh, like I said, it, it feels good in the way. I wonder what year School of Rock is, because oh, it.
1: No, I, getting is, me
2: I want to say it's our, it's not too long after
0: this. It must be like. Was it at the end of the aughts or maybe it's the twenty?
2: Oh seven, maybe, but.
0: Yeah, not long after that.
2: Anyway, similar, similar, similar. I put School of Worm, School of Work. Anyway. Oh, two thousand three, the year prior. Interesting. Oh. Plot twist. Yeah, that's right. Uh did you know that jazz is for fuddy duddies? <laughs> uh not
0: just uh fuddy duddies, but intellectual swirling brandy sniffers as yeah. well.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh you know, we talked about some of the camera work like the, the mouse POV shot. I love, love, love the the shot of the record rolling around the classroom or in between classrooms. Oh yeah, down the hallway. Yeah, down the hallway. There's some really fun uh visually, I think this film's really fun. Like some some of the camera setups are pretty straightforward, but but there is enough playful stuff in here that if you know if you're into that sort of thing, I think it uh it rewards. Like it stylistically, he yeah. doesn't just sit on his kind of static Ozu shots. Like he he kind of mixes things up, right? Like there's uh I'll, there's a fun sequence we'll talk about in a few minutes, uh with kind of some I don't know what that that technique is used it's not like a stop motiony but like this almost freeze framey it's framey type. yep yeah really good um but yeah and i just love we get this kind of easy breezy jazz training montage and it makes the film and the film almost feels like an 80s film in a way like or like you know bad news bears or, or any of these kind of underdog stories that we've all really come to love you know and it, instead of You know punching bags it's it's them trying to keep pieces of paper on glass like on a window by showing their lung capacity and and, just little things like that
0: yeah you know it's funny you mentioned that because um I, i i was in full disclosure watching this film with my partner lauren and she's a um she's a choral teacher and i was like and so she she understands you know some stuff in music education that is not just vocals but also you know um uh, orchestras and, and you know um, classes with instruments so I was like is that a thing is that like an actual exercise that a teacher would teach um, and I think the answer was no but that doesn't mean it's not effective in the context in which we see it in this film um, totally yeah so very interesting
2: yeah and I, it's funny I read after the fact the girls and boy they all learned to play their instruments. Oh, no kidding. They all learned to play. And the big finale, the audience was there as like a real audience. They had the reaction the audience had. I mean, other than a few plants that were in the crowd like the, from the cast. Wow. They it was a genuine reaction. Wow. So yeah, there's some really cool kind of uh, trivia around this one. But that's always the question when you have a skill done in a film like, you know, it's a hockey movie. You get hockey players and teach them to act you get actors and teach them to skate or do you try to Mm -hmm. find a corn that can do both so all of the cast learned to play their instruments and they went under some pretty rigorous training which uh which is cool like all the music in the film it's the actual cast it's not dubbed or, or um like it's not dubbed in it's it's them they earned it there's it's it's live sound them playing yeah yeah live sound and they used to go around pretty cool i would say Whoever was in charge of marketing for this film, a feather in their cap, they got the the cast to go around and perform live concerts in Japan.
0: Wow. Was this uh I mean I, I had seen that 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 this won some Japanese uh or equivalent to like Japanese Academy Awards, but was this a big box office or pop cultural cultural phenomenon uh after it was released? Like did it did it in some ways inspire renewed interest in Big band jazz from the
2: Americas? That's a good question. I know our friend Morris would know better, being a a jazz music enthusiast. He loves this movie. I feel like he might have covered this film at some point on uh, See Here, his show. But I I would have to think, you know, Japan has always had uh, a pretty deep love of jazz music. Mm -hmm. So I have to think that at least to a cross section wow. it would have played huge or played you know played really well and you know it's it's pretty well regarded i think in um in certain film circles like uh, i don't know if it was box office boffo but uh it's well regarded as far as like when lists of you know the best japanese films of all time mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's included in there right like it's you know it's it's pretty held in pretty well reg- high regard in that sense Yeah, no, right on
0: Uh, There's a train car performance in this film towards the back end that when when Lauren and I were watching it, she immediately recognized it as a potential like kind of homage callback to this segment performed by Duke Ellington and his orchestra. Um, And I was thinking, well, what what's that all about? Like, what is what is she referring to? What's the what's the source of this? And it turns out there's like this segment. Um, In a 1943 film called, I think it's called Reverly with Beverly, um, where they basically do a a jazz performance inside a train car. Um, This one is a little bit more tightly packed. (laughs) Um, And for that reason, it would be a lot louder and and kind of, I guess, tough to deal with. But um, yeah, sort of an interesting, interesting callback or homage
2: moment. And I think that's one of the things I I really take away from this is you can look at this as a very surface, crowd-pleasing film. However, look at it, I guess, to use sort of the metaphor, comparison to like a, a, a food, a dish. Everyone loves a dish. But when you look at the care that goes into creating it and some of the subtleties, the craftsmanship below the surface, you know, Crowd-pleasing doesn't necessarily equate to surface-level surface, le- surface level craft, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Did you expect there to be a scene in this film where uh, a group of teenage girls were busted in an elevator
2: with a bunch of mannequins? I did not, but it's very <laughs> on brand for our show. <laughs> yeah that's actually the picture i used for the cover photo in the friends of the ggtmc group oh no kidding <laughs> yeah yeah so that, and and actually so this does have some ggtmc in the dna not only is there that there's a great dummy fall down a hill on a bike <laughs> <laughs> if all too short yeah yeah it's kind of a good moment um and that was my next note actually it was dummy fall on bike um we get the most beat-ass saxophone in the, in the history of cinema in this. That's right. I mean, this thing has seen better days. But you know what's great about that saxophone? Is that in the big finish, she's still playing that saxophone. And I love that. Like, yeah. it's such a little, such a, a small detail. But it, it just, it's so, I don't know. It's just, it's so endearing because the simple thing would have been, she starts playing. Her parents see that she's dedicated, and they buy her a new one. But the fact that it's almost like a badge of honor that she, you know, she gets this one, and and it's funny to see some of the some of the schemes they come up with to raise money. Uh, oh, gosh, you know, uh, PlayStation heists and
0: iMac heists.
2: Yeah, iMac heists and all sorts of stuff. But I love that she's still playing that uh, that saxophone. I got to ask you. Do you are you musically inclined? Oh gosh, no. You? Not in the slightest, man. Yep. Not in the slightest. I'm not very artistically inclined. I I'm an okay actor, I guess. As far as like I I, I did drama through drama through school and I loved it. Um, but as far as like drawing or painting or sculpting, or or playing an instrument, oh, horrible, just horrible. I I can appreciate it. I love it, obviously, but. I'm not very inclined that way, whereas my wife's very crafty, very art, artistically inclined. Um, I don't have. No, that's. Yeah, not, I,
0: thanks lot. <laughs> I, I'm in the same boat. And in fact, that's like one of the one of the endearing parts of a particular character in this film is that as much as he's an aficionado, he doesn't have um, like any inherent musical talent or skill. To you know, kind of support his opinions
2: about it. He's he just knows what he likes, right? And the thing that's endearing about that, yeah, well, yeah, that whole character is endearing. I was gonna say, there's another male character in this that goes against grain. Goes against the grain. He's a baseball player, right? And he has a passion for mm-hmm. for jazz or for music he ends up falling into the the bands which is cool but what is it about japan and youth films you know they they tend to get them right and it made me Mm -hmm. think i never really thought this before but certain countries tend to do the youth film really well Mm -hmm. japan is one of them as good as anyone if not the best in terms of making really sincere well-done films about youth like can you think of another country that off the top of your head does that because i i mean you know obviously america but like i couldn't think of like oh italy really nails it or or yeah yeah or maybe england maybe some of their stuff in the 80s and 90s but it's funny that i, I couldn't think of another country that really consistently does it like japan does
0: Yeah, I'd I'd agree with that. I I can't think of another country. And I would even say like a lot of America's more recent sort of teen comedies, um, which I guess ostensibly is a genre that this could fall into. It is it is in the sense a teen comedy. Um, But America's teen comedies are more about just the coming of age aspect of of youth. Um, And I think they are like by and large, not not cynical to the bone, but have cynical streaks within them, whereas this film really, really doesn't unless you um, like maybe consider the the woman throwing pottery at them um, performing live on the street as an example of cynicism. But I think that's just <laughs> another another chance for uh, the director to put a visual gag in here.
2: Agreed. And there's a lot of fun visual gags. Right. So this this film is has a complete absence of cynicism, which is Mm -hmm. nice. Refreshing. Yeah. Uh, how about the dudes? There's like those like hip hop dudes. Those guys are straight out of the late (laughs) nineties.
0: Yeah, there's they're in their their Fubo Fubu and Fila uh outerwear.
2: Huge, Huge loungewear.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A lot of velour tracksuits in that scene. And maybe some visors and bucket hats.
2: I think there was both. Yeah. (laughs) It would have been uh, par for the course for sure. Um, We get a really great wild boar montage. And having a wild boar montage set to Louis, scored to Louis Armstrong, was not on my bingo card this week.
0: It was not. um, Nor was the fact that it was preceded by a uh, legally ambiguous mushroom hunt.
2: This is very true. This is very true. And the cherry on top of this whole cake is a potential nod to Sonny Chiba's Street Fighter with an (laughs) X-ray (laughs) shot, which is pretty amazing. Uh, And you know what? Actually, you know, what's funny watching this film. And now I just think about this in some ways. Doesn't this feel like maybe the more straight faced, straight laced? cousin to like haosu like just Mm. in terms of its there's a certain joy and and lack of cynicism in this
0: exuberance
2: yeah exuberance and and i'm sure some of that has to do with predominantly female cast Mm -hmm. but it feels like um uh you know a little bit akin to that right
0: yeah in in terms of tone and I, i think these would would certainly make for like a good double bill
2: yeah for sure and obayashi i don't know like i wonder if obayashi was a favorite filmmaker of his but uh mm. that's cool but i love that wild boar montage it's uh it's really really fun and i love um because she plays it pretty straight naomi as it naomi tanaka is the actress Is that her name? um i don't know if that's the actress or the character's
0: name the, character.
2: the drummer the drummer naomi yeah She's great. I love her in this film. I love her haircut. It's just, it's just awesome, man. She's great in the film. All the girls are great. They uh, are. And even though um, we see, oh, we should say that their 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 mentor is the anti J.K. Simmons. <laughs> yeah.
0: Hey, I, I take this movie over Whiplash all day man.
2: I'll tell you, and I, I do quite like whiplash, but I do too. but and I love J.K. Simmons, but this this mentor character, I think it's you know, his love of jazz is just as profound, <laughs> but I much prefer his approach to. agree. Um, so yeah. but uh, how about this? You know, you and I spoke about snow off the air in california i didn't expect to see this much snow in japan i mean I, I knew they have snow obviously the winter games have been there and there's a lot of snow, man.
0: nor did i but i think um i, I think including the the you know visual seasonality um on the screen kind of shows us in in a very clever non-expository way kind of the passage of time so that by the time we get to the end scene where everybody's Playing music very competently, um, it's easier to buy that in a sense. And there's also that awesome, um, really kind of pure and whimsical um, snowball fight that breaks out yes. uh, amongst the band members, which is uh, another one of my favorite
2: moments in the film. It is a great moment. And I love kind of all their moments along the way, to be honest with you, because yeah. their roadmap is littered with a lot of things, again, that. Seem obvious when you look at an underdog story, but that moment when they come together in the parking lot at the grocery store, kind of with mm-hmm. like the promo for the grocery store and they're jamming, it's, uh, I don't know, it's just, it's sunshine for the soul. It's, uh, I had a smile on my face, and I think that's one of the big things about this film is that it, like we've said a few times, it just, uh, there's a certain uh, purity to it that that is refreshing um even to the point where we get you know a big finale we get like the 80s clap Mm -hmm. which is awesome um yeah it just it just it feels very earned and and it's it's i know i've said that a few times but it's yeah it's well done it's snappily edited um which i like and i just i love again that all these characters at the back end at the big finish They're all given a chance to shine. And considering the hard work they all put in behind the scenes, I'm glad that Yaguchi has done that for them.
0: Yeah. Well, that's because they read the book
2: Get Really Good at Jazz Really Fast, right? That's right. But to your point, yeah, it's Yaguchi, again, to our collective point of on the surface, it's one thing, but there's, there's some kind of mastery going on below that like to to show that Mm passage of time like you said with the winter and first turn summer school and it's hot it just it's it's smart without being this uh uh this exposition dump or or having a Mm -hmm. card that says six months later or whatever yeah Um, so really great uh i just have a question for you do you know that there are two types of people in the world
0: (laughs) oh do you mean those who swing and those who don't
2: correct and this
0: is this is not a commentary on the the sort of polyamorous lifestyle no it's not, <laughs> it's not. but it, it, could it could be about baseball or it could be about jazz
2: yeah that's why it works that's why it works those are all my notes uh i'm happy to kick it over to you if there's anything you want to add before we, we break this one down
0: yeah i think i have just you know one or two we we talked about um You know, the girls are trying to figure out ways to make money so that they can they can purchase instruments. And I love that um, that sort of sequence uh, of scenes where they're all working in this what appears to be the same retail store. So good. And they're just, uh, you know, they're they're um, dipping in the company ink with the the free food samples, as it were. Yeah. which leads to a pretty funny moment uh, later on that precedes them all getting fired. Um, I like that scene where uh, Tomoko, the saxophonist and our lead, um, when she gets her used saxophone, she takes it down through the reeds and to the, to the riverfront. And then she looks across the river and sees Nakamura playing his extremely large and cumbersome piano <laughs> also at the shore of the river yes <laughs> uh, just just a good moment um and kind of a silly one when you when you see like in a prior scene how much effort it takes to get that
2: that piano around um but that's the kind of quick the quick visual gag yeah that shows what yaguchi is like he's just mm-hmm he doesn't need to hang his hat on this or really shout it at you. It's like, it's there if you get it, if you don't, it's gone. But, you know, it really enriches the film when you think back about all these little quiet moments that are are full of humor and or heart. Yeah. Yeah.
0: There's a, this is just sort of a small thing, but, um, you know, it was noticeable that, you know, there's this transition from, you know, uh, summer term classes where, where kids are trying to make up courses that they either missed or didn't pass or whatever. Um, and they forge, you know, friendships with people in those summer courses. But then when the regular s- school term starts back up and they're all among the, the general population of students, the, the dynamics have changed. And um, I just thought that was kind of an interesting moment to see uh, some of the students kind of retreating back to their usual friend groups and,
2: and social structures. And it's a really insightful and truthful thing because i know having kids that are 14 and 12 our 12 year old more specifically every year the the sort of fate of their social life kind of hinges on who's in their class like they can see each other at recess but Mm -hmm. you tend to socialize with the people that you see more and yeah it again it just shows you gucci gets it right there's there's this this understanding of of youth and and The social element and yeah it's it's nothing that's that's heavy-handed like i think that's one of the great things about him is how insightful his kind of light touch is yeah
1: yep
0: uh speaking of that there's a little bit of yaguchi playing with expectations when um you know there's there's two members of the of the band that are in two electrical instruments it's like kind of these punk girls Um, and, and there's a need to repair, um, some used brass instruments at one point in the film. So they, the punk girls try to throw everybody a lifeline by taking them to, um, I guess for lack of a better term, the, these welders or mechanics, um, that kind of work out of a junkyard. Um, and there's an expectation that based on the way that these guys look, they're going to be a certain type of person or be into a certain type of music. (laughs) And so um, the fact that they decided to form a a folk duo and then play a tune on the spot, um, is just a wonder, wonderful subversion of expectations. That is, that is very comical as well. I, I dug that moment quite a bit. Um, And I really liked that, that sort of welding and, and fix up montage. It almost felt like an action movie in some ways. And it has kind of a, a vaguely Mrs. Robinson esque, um song playing in the background but um yeah i don't have i don't have too much more to add man i i really enjoy this film glad you you put me onto it yeah
2: no i'm glad uh, i'm glad it, you enjoyed it did uh, i don't know if you'd said her name so i i won't say it out of just to be safe did your partner enjoy it
0: yeah lauren lauren really dug it um it it was the second of the two films that we watched yesterday and um as as the evening hours get later, and I'm sure you've had this experience as well, sometimes it's harder to pay attention to uh, films late at night. But this was this has the kind of energy that if um, that if you're worried that you won't be as engaged with it because of your mood or because of your time of day or anything like that, um, this is just like a wonderfully energetic, exuberant film. That has like fantastic um, situational and visual uh, comedic moments, but also it has a lot of heart. Um, and that's what makes it great.
2: Yeah, this film <clears throat> this film plays well to everyone, and that's a testament yeah. to the beauty of it. Mm-hmm. I wanted to send you a screenshot because I think this is the first time in the history of our show this has ever happened. And this is almost 15 years. In over 600 episodes that the IMDb <laughs> parents guide is all green, sex and nudity, none nice. or none profanity, none <laughs> A of drugs and smoking, none frightening and intense scenes. None. That's maybe the first time in the history of our show that's ever happened. Wow. But the, yeah, it the, the just it speaks to the film's okay. universal appeal. Mm hmm. Right. It's a uh, it's it's a delight. It's a delightful film. So fun for the whole family. Um, I guess we're getting to make or breaks and all that. Mm-hmm. So my make or break scene, uh, there's so many great little moments. I think obviously the finale is is the most sort of soul stirring. And if I had to pick one scene, obviously to hang my hat on uh, cinematically and emotionally, it would be that. But. The scene for me, I I decided to be a contrarian just for the sake of it, the scene that kind of brings it together for me and shows, okay, they're 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 in the groove uh, is the grocery store jam. I just I love Mm -hmm. that scene when you start to see that hard work pay off and they all come together like, okay, they're they're grooving and people are responding and it's it's like this triumph for them collectively. So I really like that scene. Uh, MVT. I could go with Shinobu Yaguchi, but I think it's giving the cast short shrift. They deserve flowers for learning instruments, playing them believably and killing it. So my MVT, and I think this is, is very appropriate considering the film, it's just the heart of the people involved in making it. The heart they yeah. showed, the heart that's on screen, the heart that went into the production uh it's it's definitely the most valuable thing is that this film it, it's got heart and it's it's evident in in every frame and in every moment of the film so uh that's my MVT and my score for this one's an eight out of ten uh i think it's a delightful film uh i i wish someone would pick it up like it feels like i don't know like i would think criterion or someone would pick this up i mean it's just mm. you know it's 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 a great it's a great film and it, it deserves a wider audience
0: yeah, totally agree. And I think it would play well um, because of that universality that you spoke to. And and you do not need to be a jazz aficionado. You don't no. need to know anything about jazz whatsoever to get into this film.
2: No, you. Yeah, it's it's just not at all. Not yeah.
0: A- uh, So my make or break is the and this is going to sound a little bit unusual, but um, I'm very much like a tone guy, tone viewer. Uh, Tone is important to me, I guess, especially with um, with films that um, offer a lot of comedy. Um, And it's actually the scene with the wild boar. Um, I love love (laughs) it. It's such a standout scene, um, both technically and in the way that it works comedically. Um, Having said that, I also recognize that the scene really doesn't belong. It's not essential to the film whatsoever. It only Relates kind of tangentially, Um, but it's so far out wacky and so well done in the moment that I couldn't help but feel it was kind of a comedic high point and um, really representative of the tone and sense of humor that the film has. Um, MVT is similar to yours. um, It's kind of just that earnest spirit of the film. Um, combined with the wacky humor, I think I like to think right now that due to films like Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, and and certainly some others, that um, earnest filmmaking uh, is back. In some ways, you could say it never left, but it depends on what your what your film diet is, I guess. But I think earnestness. Um, in in film tone and in the way characters are prevent, uh, presented in films is is really having a moment, um, and I I think I just caught this film at the right time to be honest with you. I think it's just that its earnestness was was really its selling point for me. um And my score is just a touch higher than yours. It's an eight point two five out of ten. Really very, dug this film.
2: Very very nice. I I want to echo your
0: sentiment about.
2: Uh, earnestness in film i think it's a breath of fresh air yeah i love and i'm really pulling hard next week for everything everywhere and just to see the earnestness uh you know from brendan fraser or the cast of everything everywhere mm-hmm. i love seeing that it, it warms the heart right it's yeah. yeah it's it's sunshine for the soul as is this film so there you have it we got uh we got no murder march off to a, a stirring start So this is wonderful. Uh, Next week, we're going to be continuing No Murder March, and it was your turn to program. Matt, why don't you uh, let us know what we're in for next week?
0: Yeah, so um, this filmmaker had um, a very well-renowned film come out in the last year. Um, That's after Yang. Uh, I think you have seen it. I have as well. I think a few other uh, friends of ours have seen it. Big. Um, big fan,
2: big, big fan, yeah,
0: yeah, same year, um, so we will be taking a jump back to twenty and seventeen to discuss Koganada's first film, Columbus,
2: so cool, you picked this one because i it's been on my radar since I saw after yang, and I was like, I gotta go see everything koganada's done, yeah, and uh and you made it happen and it's a short list. As well. Yes, it is. It is is a very short list. So, yeah, no, very cool. So next week, it will be Coconata's Columbus, and that is available in North America, at least, on Canopy. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can rent it through YouTube and, uh, you know, your other other reputable VOD services. So, yeah, we're going to keep it rolling. Looking Uh, forward to it. Keep the serenity rolling. I love it. That's right. Uh, As always, there's one thing left to say. Adios. Adios.
1: Thanks for
0: listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com. And you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com.